Hi folks, it's your host W. Curtis Preston and I wanted to give you some great news. Druva liked my latest O'Reilly book enough to sponsor it and you can get a free copy by just going to druva.com slash podcast. Hope you like it. This week on No Hardware Required, we're talking about third-party risk management. My guests this week are Stephen Manley, our CTO, and Drew Daniels, our CISO and CIO. Thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to Druva's No Hardware Required podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me, once again, my friend and CTO, Stephen Manley. How's it going, Stephen? It's going great. I, I am really looking forward to, to learning about uh, this third party thing because I, I don't usually get invited to parties. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, you That's know. That's what this is about, right? Th- th- this, is about, this is about the third party that you've ever been to in your life. Oh, um, boy. So, you know, there was your your five-year-old birthday party. I assume you got an 18th or something, and this is the third one. So to, to discuss that party... Uh, we brought on our CISO and CIO, Drew Daniels. Welcome to the party, Drew. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, and and you know, Stephen, I, I don't know if we're inviting you to the party yet. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to keep you cool enough. That's that's never a good sign for me. Yeah. To the, to the backup slash risk cool kids party. <laughs> exactly. Something, something uh-huh. going on there. So first off, what do we mean when we say third party risk management? Third-party risk management means to me, and and again, you know, we uh, offline we were spitballing a little bit about this, and and it and it certainly can mean something to someone else. Um, in today's connected world and in today's typical business environment, um, companies are using you know any number of third parties, aka vendors, aka SaaS products that they're using to um, basically lift and shift some of the traditional work that teams used to do into a third party where it's got, you know, automations and, and, and specific skills or, or uh, areas of expertise that they, they can leverage in that tool. So to me, third party risk is um, risk management is taking each one of those um, third parties and those applications that they're selling um, and um, but it also is vendors like who's servicing your your generators and your um, um, uh, heating and air conditioning. And, you know, so third parties can mean a whole bunch to a lot of different people. But we're going to I'm going to focus mostly on the SaaS vendors out there because um, and again, this is something we spitballed offline a bit of, about it a little bit is um, the SaaS vendors are where the risk is. And as a security professional, and there's all different kinds of security professionals out there, um, and they all have you know different ways to think about it, but a lot of us think about where's the risk and how do I minimize or um, mitigate or reduce or um, transfer that risk so that I'm, I'm avoiding putting myself at risk uh, to a breach or exposure or other bad security practices. Hey, hey Drew, you, you do realize that you work for a SaaS vendor, right? <laughs> yes, I realize I work for a SaaS vendor. And, okay. and I'm, All right. I'm just, I'm just checking. <laughs> I, look, I, 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 I am in no way saying SaaS is a, is a bad word, a dirty word. Um, I, I think it is uh, fundamental to the business that we operate today. You know, I was recently talking to some auditors and, 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 let me tell you, for a security professional, that's probably the one thing I don't like to do. Um, 
Uh, it's even worse than talking to your security team. Um, but they were they were asking me questions like a traditional business from 30 years ago. And they said, where are the servers? Where are, hmm. where are oh. the infrastructure? Yeah. And I and I and I said, guys, no, com- most companies don't do that today. Most companies um, have data centers that are off site or they're using SaaS products somewhere else. Um, and I said, I don't have a lot of infrastructure here. You know, there's some stuff in the co-location. There's some stuff in the cloud. Um, and, and, and it was really through them for a loop. So I, am by no means saying SaaS is a dirty word. Um, I think, uh, a good SaaS, a company that is paying attention to security and willing to be transparent with their customers is fundamental and critical for good SaaS. There is certainly SaaS is a dirty word. And, and I'll give you an example. I've had a couple vendors over, you know, the last, uh, 10 years or so, that when I started talking to them, you know, I got brought into the call as the security person, you know, so-and-so on the company at the company wanted to use their SaaS platform. And I said, hey, tell me a little bit about your security program. And I kid you not, I've had at least two vendors do this to me where they go, well, we're in AWS or we're in Azure. They have security, right? Hmm. Oh, my God. Um, and, and, and I just went, I, if I could have proverbially clicked the phone and hung up the receiver, I would have. I said, no, that's that's not acceptable. Yes, they have security capabilities that you can leverage as a vendor or as a SaaS product. But you have to you actually have to uh, turn them on. You have to configure them. You have to monitor them and maintain them. So so I think that that's that's the the quintessential thing that I'm looking for. Again, I'm looking for the risk. Uh, and I'm looking to minimize it. So when I ask a vendor, and we have a fairly good process at Druva that I, you know, I kind of brought with me, uh, where we ask them a series of uh, yes or no, true or false questions, and then we have, and, and I mean, it's a short list. It's about sixty questions right now, um, and <clears throat> and these help us to understand if they have the fundamentals to a good security program. And then we have like five or six questions that we ask that are open-ended and, you know, kind of paragraph style answer where we want them to describe something. And then we have four or five things that we ask them for. We ask them for their information security policy. If they're doing any auditing like SOC 2 or ISO, we ask for that. Um, If they are providing a SaaS service, we ask them if they have a penetration report that they can share with us. And I've had, even at Druva, I've had some vendors when we start having this conversation, they'll fill out the questionnaire. And I've literally seen this. The questionnaire is yes, no, hmm. yes, no, N-A. And I have actually had a vendor answer every single one of the 60 questions N-A. Um, and, and I go, what, what do you mean N-A? I, I don't even know how to process that. And I've also had um, third parties that when I've asked them for the documentation, they said, well, we don't share that outside. You know, and I'm like, you're doing this third party thing, SOC 2, for example, so that I as a customer can trust you. And and that's, you know, that's fundamental to our program. You know, we uh, we actually at Druva, we publish a security artifacts package that, you know, any customer can get through their account executive. Um, because we actually publish it in a system that the account executives can download it and share it with the third, with the customer or the prospect. And we will answer those questions all day long um, because we know that we are building or establishing a relationship with that customer prospect to enable them to trust us with their data, which I think is 
paramount for any SaaS company to be a good SaaS company versus, you know, a bad SaaS company. So, so what, one of the things I, I've seen, um, and this is this is more, I guess, in Europe, uh, where where GDPRs uh, obviously already pretty pretty aggressively rolled out. But I, I've met a number of customers uh, and companies who struggle with uh, someone someone basically does sort of a a right to know kind of request, and it turns out that uh, that that data is buried five sort of SaaS applications deep, right? Where where the vendor they're talking to actually itself uh, is storing the data in a vendor who themselves is storing the data in a vendor. I mean, when when you do this sort of third-party review, do you expect to, to see that full chain then that says, here's here's my company and who I'm dependent on and then who they're dependent on? Or where, where does that chain kind of end as you have that discussion? So you actually mentioned GDPR. And, and as you guys may know, Privacy at Druva is handled by our legal team, which I actually support. I think it's the right place for it to be. But um, GDPR specifically, and, and I say this because I, I have had to manage this and I've implemented many GDPR programs because in, in my past jobs, I also own privacy. Um, GDPR has a, a few things that make it easy to discover those things if the, if the vendor or the third party is following GDPR practices. First and foremost, they're supposed to publish a list of subprocessors. So anybody that has access to my data. Um, and GDPR has things where they call a subprocessor or a controller of data that helps you figure out, does someone actually have that data? Does someone use that data? Could they consume that data? So GDPR does have mechanisms to do that, to help that. Um, and ultimately, you know, the controller and the, the subprocessor are signing an agreement that uh, um, indicates sort of those responsibilities. It's called a data processing or uh, a data protection agreement. And, and these DPAs are meant to um, kind of outline those basic practices of who does what and who's responsible for what. Okay, so so this is something then that you would expect people would have, and absolutely, and, and they shouldn't be scrambling to be like, oh, I can't possibly find that. That's that's interesting. I I, I I've I've not necessarily seen that be the case with some of these these uh, companies we've talked to. Now, so let's go back to something you said in in the beginning, uh, and that was that you felt that that um, SaaS apps were I, I forgot your exact words, but it was sort of at the top of your list from a risk perspective. Why do you think that's the case versus some of the more traditional risks that, that we have out there? Um, I, I think SaaS apps are, are near the top of my list from a risk standpoint because, and, and as we all know this, um, they can do anything. Um, you know, you have SaaS apps that are acting as your enterprise um, systems like, uh, you know, um, your accounting um, system and your customer um, um uh, relationship management. Uh, so SaaS apps can be so many different things. Um, I think the other reason why it's at the top of my list is, um, in a way, one of the reasons why SaaS is such a, a popular thing is um, <clears throat> we're being able to leverage these tools that have capabilities that we would have normally had to do by hand. Um, so you tend to see at companies um, hundreds and maybe even thousands of SaaS products. You know, when <clears throat> when you look at each person at the company, 
you know, they they are using this for that and this for that and this other thing for that. Um, so it, it becomes a multiplication factor where, you know, um, you know, like a Druva, um, you know, we got a couple hundred vendors that we're tracking from a third party risk standpoint. Um, so there's just so many more surface areas that I have to pay attention to. Yeah, so I, that's that's why it's near the top of my list. Yeah, that makes sense. Did I mean, you just say, we have yes, we, we have a couple of hundred. Yeah. Well, Holy I, mackerel! I have Stephen. I have ten. Just me, yeah. right? And and you know there are all kinds of other people out there that are like me that that have little jobs that they want to do, and there's some little SaaS vendor to solve this little problem for only a hundred dollars a year. Right. And then yep. we, and then we have to and, go ahead. and you're right that they, that many of them are, they're, they're at the core. And, 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 you know, I think inadvertently Curtis, you, you hit on something that uh, I want to point out is only for a hundred dollars and enter your credit card. Now they're also very easy to use. Um, and, and they're designed to be that way um, so that you can sign up in, in moments and, and be using them in minutes um, if not sooner. Um, and it's just very attractive what they what they can do for you. Uh, now, again, I, I am in no way saying that that's a bad thing. In fact, I would say, you know, Curtis, you've got 10. You know, if I look at my team, I probably have 25 or 26 vendors that um, my team is using for various things. So I, I am 100 percent in support of it. And I think that's where the making sure that you have a third party risk management system that is asking these questions and evaluating these vendors is critical. Like um, um, last year, I, I, I was talking to a couple of my CISO peers. Um, you know, we have a couple networks that we hang out. We even have a, a whole Slack thing that we hang out on. Um, and we were talking about uh, we were talking about SSO. Uh, and and I was frustrated because and and I won't mention the vendor. I was frustrated that. I was talking to a vendor that did not support SSO. Um, and, and, and I said, you know, that's a fundamental thing that every SaaS vendor should support. And it should be free or part of the thing that I'm paying for. Um, you know, it shouldn't be this add-on charge because I've seen that from vendors as well. And there's literally someone pointed to me this website that I thought was really cool. It's called SSO.tax. Um, and it's a site where... Um, basically, um, security people and, and people in technology shame companies for not having or charging extra for that. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, what I was going at is a company like Druva, we have a fairly mature security program and we have all of these attestations and certifications that we offer that we will give to customers if they, if they ask for them. And if a customer says, look, I have this questionnaire and I've seen I've seen five questions, I've seen 600 questions, we will do our best to answer them um, to the best of our ability. And if we don't understand a question or if we don't understand what they're asking for, we love to have those conversations with the customer or the prospect and say, I didn't quite understand question 312. Um, can you tell me what you're looking for? Because I'm sure I have it. I just don't know what you're trying to get at. And that raises another thing that is really interesting in this space, which is, um, you know, I've had um, CEOs in the past, not not a current CEO. Um, I've had CEOs at other companies I've worked at said, can't you make this so that um, I don't need you to answer these questions that the, 
you know, the salesperson can answer it, you know, for those that are trying to consider us for their service. And I said, uh, to some degree, I can create a common library of questions. And we've done that at Druva too. But what I found is that these companies that create their third-party risk programs, you know, they, they, they become kind of uh, um, uh, different. They're not, they're not patterned after one thing. You know, they are often patterned after the experiences of the team um, that will ask a question a certain way. And I've seen questions where I've been asked fundamentally the same question um, and it's been written in 20 different ways. So sometimes it's hard to, you know, just create a, a single spreadsheet and say, you know, of all the questions that we've answered and, and provide it to someone because they may be asking the same question we've answered, but we don't have that particular answer there. Um, and, and uh, you know, I know, again, working with some of our own customers and prospects, you know, this is a time consuming process or it can be if you're not doing it right. Um, and that's one of the things that I've been really focused on at Druva is making sure that our third party risk program not only has the appropriate um, uh, KPIs or, uh, you know, performance indicators to say that we've got, you know, not only a good process, but we've got uh, the risk minimized, but also make it so that my team has a, a clear playbook, if you will, of how to do this so that it takes uh, the least amount of time to get at the risk. Yeah, so so Drew, I mean, given first off, I'm still floored by how many SaaS applications we have, but that's that's uh, neither here nor there. Other than, I guess, if if I were on the backup team and I wanted to start bringing in a SaaS application, again, obviously, I'm, I'm being a little selfish here. You know, I want to bring in Druva. What could I do as a as a backup team, as a backup administrator, to present it to you in a light that you would uh, approve it, support it? Yeah, you know, how, how do I position these third party products to you in such a way that you're going to be most receptive to it? So I think the first thing that I would say is, uh, and I think this is critically important: don't wait until the day you want to sign the contract to, <laughs> to, to bring me in, um, to bring my team in. If you can involve us early in the process, um, it's going to reduce the headaches immeasurably for you and for me. Um, so I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing I would do is, you know, you've been building a rapport with, you know, uh, the salesperson um, from this company that's trying to sell you this thing is I would I would tell them, hey, I am going to early in the process involve my security team. And they are going to want some data from you. They're going to want some questions answered. Um, can you identify someone on your team um, at your company who answers these questions so that I can have their name and email address so it's easy for the security teams to talk to each other? I think that's the second thing. I think the third thing that I would say is um, be asking questions. You know, what, what kind of security program do you have? Do you, do you have any audits or attestations? Um, that you can share. One of the things that I often do when someone says, hey, I want to talk to this vendor. What are some of the questions that I can ask? Those are the questions I ask. Go ask if they have a SOC 2 that they can provide. Go ask if they have um, an ISO certification. Uh, go ask if they have uh, any kind of technical white paper, uh, data workflows. You know, how does the how does the data that you want to give them get exist in their system so that we can look at it beforehand and we can probably answer some of our own questions before we get on that call or when we before we send that questionnaire. 
Um, so I think those are the things that I would say is do a little bit of homework and, and make sure that you're dealing with a vendor that uh, has, a, has at least a, a, an inkling of a security program. Like I mentioned, I think in our pre-call, uh, maybe I mentioned here, I'm not sure. I've had vendors come to me when I say, hey, tell me about your security program. And they say, well, I'm in Azure. I'm in AWS. They have security, right? Um, and, and as a security professional, when someone says that to me, I just want to hang up on them. I'm, uh, I'm so, uh, I'm so concerned at that point, uh, about their, you know, their security practices that, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should do business with them. And, and that's why I think it's important, you know, um, uh, going back selfishly as, as, as Steven said, and talking about Truva, I've actually carved out a part of my team. You know, of my entire security team, I have about um, 10% of my team um, completely invested in what I call the security trust team. And what that means is they their first and foremost priority is to help our RFP team and our sellers to um, be able to answer the questions our customers and prospects have and to make sure that they're continuing to create documentation uh, that covers relevant topics that that can be then used by the SMEs and the the sales engineers to deliver part of that security message because integrity and transparency are my core values. And I want our security program to imbibe those core values as well. I like it. Uh, And by the way, I I have the perfect comeback. Uh, So the next time that you're on one of these calls and you ask that question and you get an answer like that, here's your comeback. Are you ready? You just say N-A. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway, well, well thanks again, uh, uh, Drew, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. I love it. And thanks, Stephen. Uh, again, another uh, another great uh, afternoon spending time with you, Curtis. And it was, it was better because we had Drew to cut the tension between us. <laughs> Thanks to the listeners, and remember to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And remember, here at Druva, there's no hardware required.